What's going on, everybody? Hotep to the family. Ashe to all my people out there. Welcome to another episode of My Unapologetic Perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network. This is the podcast where we give our point of view of controversial topics from our experience, black history, and our knowledge as African Americans. In the words of Maya Angelou, do your best until you know better, and when you know better, do better. So it's important to search for information, discover what you don't know, so you can discover your best you. I am your host, Martre Baker-Stevens, and to the right of me is Shaquan Battle. Yep. And to the right of him is Jerome Battle. What's up? Um, important topic that we got today. Uh, first of all, go to YouTube, type in the Mighty Motivation, Mo- Mo- Mighty Motivation Network, hit the subscribe button. Catch up on all the latest episodes of My Unapologetic Perspective. Go to Facebook, type in My Unapologetic Perspective. Follow that Facebook page. Um, but we're going to jump into right into this topic today. Um, we're, we ain't going to play around with that. All right. So today's topic is called Who Are the Sambos? Who Are the Sambos? And in this episode, I really wanted to dive in on perspective because I believe this topic is very sensitive, y'all. And probably the only other topic that would be more sensitive than this would be talking about religion. So in talking about politics, I believe there is um, there's so much room that is subjective. Again, we may not agree, um, but rather that's through knowledge or rather that's through experience. Um, But it's important as us as African-Americans to try to figure out the best solution to create change for ourselves. Absolutely. Um, I believe this episode will expose the history of the problems of genuine people trying to find that solution. Um, so let's go into a little bit of history real quick um, of what is a Sambo. And for those who don't know what Sambo is, it is the correct term to use when we use Uncle Tom. So like you've heard a lot of black people use the word Uncle Tom to talk about a sellout, but the correct term would be to use would be Sambo. And this comes from the 1852 book um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, in which um, Sambo was one of the slave overseers. Um, he was a uh, he used to work for the cruel slave owner, and you know Uncle Tom was a God fearing slave with a compassionate heart. Was tormented and beaten to death by Sambo, um, but Sambo was one of those black people who was loyal to a slave owner and did whatever it takes to keep other African Americans down so he can get kind of like the the brownie points. Uh, but Uncle Tom, his the real Uncle Tom was his real name was called Josiah Henson. It was based off of his character who actually escaped slavery into Canada. But in the story, Uncle Tom refuses to be black women. He refused to force other black people to pick cotton. He took the cotton out of his own bag and put it in other people's bag because you had to make a certain amount of weight a day whenever you did uh whenever you pick cotton back in those days. And if you didn't make weight, you were actually beaten. Um but he refused to tell where attempted escaped slaves were hiding. So Uncle Tom is actually considered a hero. Um, but we use that term wrong because of uh, the great late Malcolm X who used the Uncle Tom word. But I believe um, Malcolm X was referring to the, the stage play. In the stage play, Tom, Tom was actually um, kind of like a coon. But Uncle in the Tom, actual Uncle book. Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uncle Tom's yeah, Cabin. Right. right. So... He was actually looked as a coon in the stage play, but in the actual novel, he was actually a hero who helped free a lot of um, African-Americans. But when you look at the history of African-Americans, 
um, who do things like that to appease white people, of course, it goes back to the plantation where you have people who just try to get those brownie points, those little, uh, those little pat on the backs from the slave master because the slave master knew he could find a black person that wanted that type of power whenever he wasn't around. That's right. So you would, you would make this person in charge and this person will come back and tell you every single thing that's going on on the plantation. And that person felt like power. Um, but what ended up happening was Uncle Tom was a guy who wouldn't snitch on slaves, but Sambo was the guy that go from the plantation to the to the to the big house and tell everything that's going on. Um, and that creates a lot of division. And we've had a lot of division within the black community for a long time, when especially when it comes to our black leaders, um, where this Sambo effect or this um this division takes place. Uh, the one I could think of first would be um, W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington. Uh, W.E.B. Du Bois actually wanted, both of them were strong on education, but the way of getting the education and doing the education, they deferred to where they actually, you know, um, chastised each other a lot of times. You know, W.E.B. Du Bois wanted civil rights. He wanted education for black people, but we should be getting the same education as white people. There, there, there shouldn't be a wait to to do anything. We we deserve that that civil right to be able to do so. Uh, Booker T. Washington, who was running Tuskegee Institute at the time, he thought that black people should not worry about the civil rights and let's just educate ourselves. Let's build ourselves up to the point where we create that economic success to where white people have no choice but to respect us. That's and right. um, they disagreed on that. Um, Marcus Garvey versus W. Du Bois, you know. W.B. Du Bois, again, wanted those civil rights. He wanted to be treated uh, fairly here in America. And Marcus Garvey said that'll never happen. You know, we shouldn't be teaching black people that they need to be treated fair in America. We just need to leave America. We That's need right. to go back to Africa. We need to do for ourselves, which the Nation of Islam ended up um, ended up incorporating in their system. But we needed that economic success. But there was no way that we was going to do it in America. So this created the divide between Marcus Garvey and W.E. Du Bois. Then, of course, we know the, the divide between Martin and Malcolm. You know, Martin uh, wanted the civil rights and Malcolm wanted the, the human rights. Martin wanted um, the nonviolence and Malcolm wanted the, the self-defense. And in the end, both of them figured out um, the best way to do it was talking about the economic structure, but they were murdered before they could actually uh, come up with uh, prominent solutions to that. Um, Y'all thoughts on that quick breakdown? Go ahead, well, I was gonna, I was gonna pose a question: Do we do that, or do we allow them to do that? I believe we allow them to do that, but I believe we do it sometimes out of just trying to be genuine. I believe Martin and Malcolm were really genuine at one time of what they thought was the best option, and we may not agree with that. But the problem is, we don't sit down and have those conversations. Right. It wasn't until Malcolm and Martin meet, have a conversation to where they like, okay, we can work together. Because most of the time, if you see somebody else doing something that you don't agree with, you are all you openly criticize them. What they're doing is keeping the black people down. What they're doing is hurting the black community. Instead of going to them, having a conversation, and you both putting your ideas on the table and try to figure out a best solution. So we do it to ourselves too, but I believe the, uh, the post-traumatic slave disorder comes into effect to where we openly do it to each other um, based off of one of those brownie points as well. 
I, I agree. I think one of the problems is exactly what you said is that one, we're very opinionated, mm -hmm. but that comes from the fact that for the, during the years of slavery and even after we weren't allowed to voice our opinions. Mm -hmm. So now it's deeply rooted in us that you are, you can voice your opinion yeah. and we differ in so many factors. I mean, if you, you even look at politics, you look at sports, you look at the three of us. All three of us have different opinions about what teams may be the best team, <laughs> what players may be the best players. We all see things differently based on whatever we use to develop those opinions. Mm -hmm. um, and we can go all the way back to even when the, uh, the, the slave owners went over to Africa to get the slaves. They needed people from that country mm -hmm. to help them. So there were other blacks helping the whites capture the blacks they were bringing over here. Right. So we can go all the way back there to talk about how that deceit happened. Um, we can talk about how they may have bribed those Africans to help them enslave other Africans. But we know that slavery was happening in Africa at the mm -hmm. time. So it wasn't something new. Um, I think for us, it's the fact that we did it to ourselves. We helped them enslave us. And now, even now, we're continuing to do it, even if it's in mentality mm -hmm. and thought process. We're still enslaving ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's not far-fetched to understand why it happened and why it continues to happen because it's still happening today. Yeah, that's 100% true. Um, I also want to say real quick, too, ahead. is for the people that's going to Google Sambo and Uncle Tom, you're going to Google, and the first thing you're going to see is that Sambo was a term used kind of the way that they use the N-word, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the direct origin of it. So I just want to keep that clear because when you Google, you are going to see different things about the use of the word Sambo. So just be careful. Yeah. It actually goes It actually goes back to Africa with the word Zambo. Zambo is a... Mean um, a monkey. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Or, or crooked if you look at uh, Latin or Greek. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, there's a history of black people being called Sambos. Well, they're called Uncle Toms or Coons or Sellouts, but just for this episode purposes, we're going to use the word Sambo. Um, and it's that one black person that is used for white supremacy propaganda. They are a tool of racist propaganda and deflection. So it's a black mouthpiece who propagates and uh, um, validates anti-black talking points while exploiting their own race for white racists. Or shielding white racism. That's right. Um, so let's just look at let's, I'm just looking at three people who are overwhelmingly called um, sellouts when you look at history. Number one would be Bill O'Neill from the recent movie Judas and the Black Messiah, who infiltrated the Black Panther Party and ultimately either killed or got Fred Hampton killed. Um, then you also had Ernest Withers. Ernest Withers was a photographer for the Civil Rights Movement who ended up, who was very close to Dr. King, went everywhere Dr. King basically went to, but he was actually an informant for the FBI, as well as uh, James Harrison, who was a part of the Southern Conference Leadership, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, um, along with Dr. King, and Mr. Harrison and Withers were both being paid by the FBI that ultimately brought down um, Dr. King, ultimately brought down the Black Panther Party, there were a few more that infiltrated the Nation of Islam um, that actually brought down um, those people as well. But when we look at today's society, uh, the number one person that people are going to name that we talk about on this podcast a lot, which is Candace Owens, who was a Republican political commentator. Um, but she's made statements saying that black people are pretending to be oppressed 
and smear Black Lives Matter as a domestic terrorist. Um, Owens consistently promotes the racist idea that black people are lazy and suggests we lack the intelligence to synthesize information and make critical assessments about which political party best serves our needs. Herman Cain, who ran for president in 2012, said, I don't believe racism in this country today holds anybody back in a big way. Uh, you had, of course, Jesse Lee Peterson, who was who was in the own ca- his own category by itself, but he says there is no such thing as racism, says that black people don't know God, that they have a lot of hate and come from screwed up families, and we are in the nature of Satan. Um, Jesse Lee Peterson also said, uh, is a person who says that black people is, um, when he refers to black people, he refers to black people. He doesn't consider himself like to be black. Right. So he always say y'all or black people. Um, of course, Stacey Dash, who said that we need to get rid of Black History Month. We need to get rid of BET um, because that's a form of, of segregation. Which she later took those comments back and apologized a few years later and said that, you know, Donald Trump and the Republican Party kind of made her the angry black woman to put a lot of this information and the stuff that she was saying out. Uh, ben Carson, who said uh, who was asked by Fox News Sunday if racial profiling is really the threat to young black men. And he said that, you know, he don't think it is. Uh, of course, Tim Scott recently saying that America is not racist. Lil Wayne saying that, you know, his experience with a white cop make him, made him not think racism existed anymore. Herschel Walker, Charles Barkley, Steve Harvey, the list goes on. Y'all comments on the, the sellouts or sambos that black, the black community call these people today. Are, are, are they sambos or do they really believe in what they're saying? You want to go first? Yeah, you want me to go first? Yeah. <laughs> uh, first, I'm going to exclude me personally. I exclude Bill O'Neill. Okay. And, and and as you said, Bill O'Neill is the one who basically infiltrated and uh, kind of got intelligence for the FBI to bring down Fred Hampton and the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. I'm going to exclude him. Okay. And the reason I'm excluding him is he had no allegiance to the party whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in fact, uh, he probably really didn't even know exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He's 18, 19 year old kid. Okay. Okay. You know, in trouble for something else that had nothing to do with the black Panther party. Sure. And they kind of talked him into, you know, doing it saying, Hey, if you do this, then we'll make those felonies go away. Right. Okay. So 18 year old kid has nothing, no knowledge whatsoever, what the black Panther party is doing or about, or could be. Okay. All right. He goes in, he has one specific job is to get information. Mm-hmm. That's his job. He has no idea what they're going to do with the information. They're going to arrest them. They're going to do this, whatever. Mm-hmm. He has no clue. Mm-hmm. And then all this transpires mm-hmm. um, after the fact um, to the point that he ended up, he attempted suicide twice. Right. And then he ended up ultimately succeeding. Right. So uh, the same day his interview there. Fe- absolutely. Absolutely. So um, obviously he had a lot of regret and I don't think it was regret for doing something that you know, everybody is talking bad to him about, but I think it's the fact that he didn't know. Yeah. He didn't know the magnitude of what he was doing. So I'm gonna give him a pass. Okay. I don't want to include him in the Sambo conversation. Okay. Um that that's me personal. That's my personal take. Um, I understand it. I understand and then it. we we go to people like let's go to Candace Owens. First I want to say that Candace Owens is one of the most intelligent people that you will ever hear on TV. She is. Let, let's say that. 
I, I just don't believe some of the things that she's saying. I, I think that she's right. a politician. And I will say that politicians are like offensive linemen for people to know about football. And this is mm -hmm. going to be, you're going to understand what I'm saying. You see an offensive lineman when he's playing football, you know, he's 325, 340 pounds, right? As soon as his playing career, all of a sudden, you see this 175 pound man on TV. Mm -hmm. What happened? He was playing the part. Mm -hmm. He was offensive lineman. His job was to be big and he ate to stay big, mm -hmm. right? As soon as it's over, he go back to being himself, which is a 175 pound man. Right. Mm -hmm. I believe that most politicians, especially in Candace Owens' situation, she's playing politics. Yes. Right. Doesn't right. make it. I'm not saying it makes it right. Right. I'm just saying there's no way in the world she's going to tell me living in New England states that she's never been discriminated against. Well, there's evidence to say that that's false. Absolutely. Because she has so she's playing the part again. Does it make it right? No, but I don't believe her. Right. Tim Scott, South Carolina. Don't, definitely believe, don't the, believe that. There's no way. You're discriminated every day when your governor says black people could go anywhere they want to in South Carolina. Right. Right? As as long as they're conservative. Right. Yeah. <laughs> as long as right. you can go anywhere you want to, as long as you're conservative. So that basically means as long as you acknowledge and, and, and practice the views of Republicans, you can go anywhere you want in South Carolina. Right. But if you don't, that means you can't go anywhere you want to. Right. Right. So Tim Scott, definitely Sambo. But I do want to add two things. Okay. There's some commentation that both of them made that if you look at it from a different perspective, you can understand where they're coming from. Let's go. Okay. And I'm going to give you a great example. Now, again, I'm not saying that they're right. No, no, I'm just, we're just giving I'm, perspective. I'm just giving Let's you information perspective. and perspective. Yeah, okay. Right. So recently, Candace Owens says that when you watch black cinema, especially during the pandemic, they had, uh, what is it, Uber delivery, Uber Eats, mm -hmm. where they deliver the food to you. So, of course, they're doing this black cinema. Black people are watching this. Black people are using Uber to deliver their food. Guess who suffers? The black businesses. Mm -hmm. So, all of a sudden, black businesses are wondering, where are my walking customers? Where are my customers? Because, obviously, they're not using uh, Uber Eats. They're right. not using that. Mm -hmm. So, nobody's coming into these businesses. These businesses are losing money. Mm -hmm. Guess who's doing it? These black businesses. Yes, that's right. Entertainment, black cinema. These are the ones that are costing these black businesses their business, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people don't look at it that way. Now, I'm not saying it's true or false. Right. I'm just giving it's you the narrative. It's just perspective. This is, this is right. how they feel. Tim Scott made the, made the comment that he's done more for uh, 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 historically black colleges and universities than any other senator that's, that's currently in office. Okay. And he did that to kind of equal the playing field. Mm-hmm. But then he turns around and says that you can't take from one group and give to another, which is what they did, did with, with, with some of the, the subsidies that they put out there during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So they cut it off for white farmers and they gave more to black farmers. Mm -hmm. So you took from white farmers to give to black farmers. And he said that you can't do that because that's part of the problem. Right. Now, I understand exactly what they're saying. I'm saying I'm, I, I'm not saying that I agree or disagree. I'm just saying I understand where they're coming from. They have some valid points. Right. But on the Republican side, which we'll get into this a little later, normally there's a reason that is the basis of racism, has the basis of racism behind it and what they do. Mm -hmm. Of course, they didn't want to give black farmers more money. Of course. Right. Of course not. At the end of the day, it's all about winning. Mm -hmm. The person with the most money wins campaigns. Mm -hmm. how, do you get cam how do you get that money? Is that you have to have an agenda that people agree with. Mm -hmm. So when you look at politicians, a lot of the stuff they say they probably don't really believe. But, right. But I gotta, I gotta, I have to be able to get to my base 
get their support so I can get that money. That's mm -hmm. how I win the election. Mm -hmm. Anybody knows that in order for Barack Obama to have run pre presidency, not one, not, not twice, he had to have a whole lot of people that were white to vote for him. Otherwise, right. he doesn't win. Right. Which means you probably had a whole lot of Republicans that chose to vote Democrat in order for him to win. That's right. Which usually doesn't happen the right. other way around. Black people, and we'll get into this, are historically Democrats. And most of the time, it's not because you even understand the party. Right. It's because your parents voted Democrat. Right. Your grandparents voted Democrat. Your next door neighbor who's black votes Democrat. Democrat right. Right. You have not you you know anything about the party. You and I both know that in history, Democrats were one of the worst parties for black people. Especially the South. Especially, Especially the, South. the South, when you talk about Jim Crow laws. Yeah. You know, so not knowing the history of the, the of the party sometimes puts us in compromising situations. Let me go one more step further. Go ahead. Speaking of Barack Obama, people that voted for him, a lot of people voted for him because he was black. That's right. Right? But here's the history of the parties. Doesn't matter whether he's black or white. Usually Democrats impose laws that create more subsidies for black people, mm -hmm. which is called social laws. That's right. So welfare, more money for welfare, welfare more, more money for afford, housing. Affordable housing. Affordable housing. Mm -hmm. So this is where the money goes. Guess what? Somebody got to pay for that. That's right. So guess what happens when Democrats win presidency? Taxes go up. That's right. Right? Now, you can look at your paycheck and your, your taxes only probably went up a little bit. Right? Mm -hmm. But it went up. Where it goes up the most is for the people that own businesses, especially small businesses, mm -hmm. who basically employ 50% of the working population in the United States. Right, so we're which talking about small black That's right, businesses, which, right, which accounts for 76% of all black household incomes, right? Mm -hmm. So when those people are taxed more, guess what they do? Businesses close or they stop hiring people and there's no more new jobs created. Bless you. Yep. So guess who's affected by that? African-Americans. African-Americans, disproportionately. Mm -hmm. I'm a victim of that. So for all the people that voted for Barack Obama, the company that I work for got taxed more. Mm -hmm. It was a small business. They got taxed more. So now they can't invest that money that they once had back into the business. That's right. So guess what they do? They go out of business. That happened to me twice mm -hmm. under a Democratic president. Mm -hmm. So I understand when Republicans talk about things that the Democrats are doing that ultimately hurt black people. But a majority of the people weren't affected that way. It's mm -hmm. just certain few. So those few people end up start listening to the Republicans. And that's what happens. And then you get one like Candace Owens, who's very articulate. Just keep in mind, people are convinced when people talk in a manner that they don't necessarily understand and people sound intelligent. Right, she's intelligent. And we, people we know buy this. into that and we, they go, we're not gonna, she has we're not to be telling the truth. She's yeah. so smart. Yeah, she, we're not going to disagree. Absolutely. What's your input? Uh, with the... Um, you know, for me, the the left wing, the right wing, the liberal, you know, all of those things, I don't really understand. Mm -hmm. um, and that's fine. That, 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 that's that's good. That's yeah, good. That's good I, right I now mean, for this take. Because you know, politics is not really my thing. But you know, just hearing y'all two talk about it, um, you know, like the Lil Wayne comment, I understand. Not saying that I agree with it. I understand him saying, you know, because a white cop helped him when he shot himself in the chest, he didn't see racism. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand those things, but at the same time, like Candace Owens, who is, like I said, very intelligent. I watched, you know, a couple of her speak a couple of times. I just think sometimes she twists facts. Okay. Um, you know, she she said that Ahmaud Aubrey wasn't killed because he was black, but the evidence showed that they called him a nigga before they killed him. Mm -hmm. That's right. So I just I think, like Dad said, when you speak intelligently, it's it's more easy for you to listen to 
and believe it because you're like, man, I never heard a black person talk like that. That's right. So it got to be true. Right. Absolutely. Um, and not only for white people, but black people the same way. You know, when we look at people like Grant Hill, when he speaks, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, they don't speak like, you know, we would say a normal black person speaks. Right. Um, you know, and that's that's how Candace Owens speaks is, you know, she's very intelligent, like we said, but I just think some of her rhetoric is wrong. I, I, I agree. Uh, before we go to a break, I'll, I'll comment on it real quick. Um, I respect Candace Owens on a political level. Um, like Bear said, she's very intelligent when it comes to political points of views. But I, th- I still think she's rather ignorant when it comes to black history. Because when you go back and you look at history, you can see the systematic racism that, that uh, the liberals talk about. Um, and I know people like Tim Scott and Candace Owens They want to heal the country by saying we shouldn't talk about racism. I understand it. I I, trust me. I get it because the more you talk about it, the more it's going to continue to circulate. But I understand it. But when we talk about oppression, we're not just talking about us and our people. So if I say, if I say, if if Candace don't want to say I'm not oppressed because of the position I'm in, look at me now, I'm not oppressed. Maybe not in your eyes, but you're not being able to speak for every African-American in this country, especially from when you talk about her coming from the New England, um, Tim Scott coming from South Carolina, Lil Wayne coming from New Orleans. Like, you can't go back to your projects or wherever you're from and convince people that this is true because a lot of people have forgotten their history. So we know there's there's nothing wrong with being successful and seeing yourself equal to other people, but would they still pat you on your back, Candace Owens, if you wore your hair natural? Or wasn't married to a white guy. Right. If you uh if you dressed a certain way, if you talk some of the way that you normally used to talk back in the day, would if you talk that way, would they still find you intellectual? If you wanted to learn different things about African American culture, would they question it? So we see success a lot of times with black people in there because their identity changes to fit the European standard that we talked about last week. That's right. So when you get rid of your culture, you give and you, you buy into this system, you're now in systematic oppression without even knowing it because you think, Hey, I'm equal, but in their eyes, no, you're one of us that's following the guidelines right. and rules to what we have built for you to be able to end. So you're in chains that don't even know it. You, you, you're oppressed and you right. don't even know you got your master's degree. In this hand, but you still got chains on That's your right. legs. Now, there's most black people say, look, you can have the money. You can have the degree. I'd rather be broke and free than to have those chains on my leg. Absolutely. Forget about it. You know what I'm saying? And I believe black people have no problem earning success. I believe the problem with black people is we see us having success, but we see the road that we have to take. And we can look over in the left lane and see the road that they had to take and say, wait, wait a minute. That's. That ain't fair. That's right. You know what I'm saying? You can talk about black success all the day. We can agree that black college graduates is at an all-time high, right? That's right. We can agree with that. We can, we agree. can agree that black people graduating high school is at an all-time high. That's right. And for the for the for the conservatives out there who want to th- talk about the black household, we've got statistics that say there's more black people and more black fathers in the household now, almost than white. That's right. Let's put all that aside. We still only account for 4% of American wealth. That's right. Nothing's changed. 
We got the master's degrees. That's right. Are we still paid the same? No. No. So we can still put it into into context to say we're still being oppressed, even when we got the success that the Candace Owens got, That's right. that the Tim Scotts got. We we see it happening. We're gonna take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. We're gonna jump right back in. Y'all know where to go on YouTube. Y'all know where to go on Facebook. <laughs> jump right back in, right? Um, tell them where to get this unapologetic gear from, man. Oh yeah, you can go to Teespring uh, slash Mighty Motivation. You can cop this unapologetic gear that he's wearing. You can cop the Mighty Motivation gear. Uh, go to our Facebook, see all of that. We I actually got some new ones coming because I got some ladies I want to put on the t-shirt. Um, they coming. They coming. Uh, Herman Cain. Herman Cain once said that you know, um, while he was climbing the corporate ladder, uh, did he deal with racism? And he said his response was he didn't have time to. So when you say you didn't have time to acknowledge the racism, you acknowledge that there was racism. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So the one thing that white people like in history is for a black person to not be bothered by the racism that's going on around them. Same thing happened to Jackie Robinson. That's right. For those who remember, Jackie Robinson, in order to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers, he had to do one thing, not react. Not react. <laughs> not react to what's going on. Not react. So if you got to shut up and not react, then you're still oppressed, no matter how far they use you up. Because if they can, they can get you to shut up, that means they can use you as propaganda. That's right. All right? So Lil Wayne saying that racism doesn't exist because a white cop saved his life, good. I, I love the fact that a white cop saved your life. But the problem is, we all know good officers. Yeah. We all know good white people. But that's, does that exclude that there are bad white people out here? It absolutely does not. So... Just because one is respectable, as he should have been, as he should have tried to save your life, that was his job and what he was supposed to do in the first place, mm -hmm. does not make that racism does not exist. Now, I understand Lil Wayne has money. We understand a lot of these celebrities have money, and they change their, their, their tone when it comes to uh, voting Democratic and Republic um, later on. But um, a current event, recently there was a guy out of, a black dad out of Colorado Springs who uh, spoke at the uh, school board um, saying that he was not oppressed. And it says, uh, the article says, a dad speech in Colorado Springs is going viral after he spoke out against critical race theory at a school board meeting. I am, I am the direct descendant of the North American slave trade, said, says Derek Wilburn at a school board meeting last week. I am not oppressed. I am not a victim. Wilborn, who lives in a neighborhood, neighboring school board district, said at the meeting that putting critical race theory into our classrooms is taking a nation in the wrong direction. Wilburn joined uh, Jan Jeffcoat on the national desk to discuss his opposition to the controversial curriculum topic. With so much home learning going on, I think more and more parents are able to focus in on what's really coming across their students' desk, what's really in their kids' hands. And I decided to start getting involved, said Wilburn at the meeting. Um, he also says, I have. He says racism is on life support and the education system is keeping it alive. I've taught my children that they I've taught my children that they are victims, that they're victims of three things, their own ignorance, their own laziness and their own poor decision making. Um, he does. How does it benefit a society to tell anybody that they are oppressed or about the oppressors, let alone children? Um, when he talks about this curriculum. Y'all thoughts. Well, first, can can y'all explain? Because I didn't know uh, what critical race theory is. Go ahead, Ed. Basically, is it talks about the what we talked about before about where it puts blacks in the history of the United States. 
the the, the initial point they want to talk about black being slaves, mm-hmm. right? And when and when we actually came to this country, they want to put us here in a certain a a certain year when in fact we know we were here sooner, right? But it's they want to put us in the the era where slavery started. So mm-hmm. that's we began in America as slaves. That's what they want you to believe, which we know is not true. That's right. The biggest part is when you start talking about the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. So. I believe that that was actually the first civil war. Mm -hmm. And there's many, many people that believe the same thing based on the evidence where Britain had already said they were going to abolish slavery and all their provenances, which would include America, which means eventually slavery was going to end in the United States Mm -hmm. long before there was a civil war. And the American Revolutionary War was fought to prevent that from happening. Mm -hmm. And that's the critical part. The biggest part of the critical race theory is that they want the blacks to be viewed in a certain light, which is why you only have certain people like Martin Luther King um, mm-hmm. that you hear about, okay. that you learn about American history. Rosa Parks, as we know, there's at least two other people that did exactly the same thing that she did prior to that. One of them was 15 years prior to when Rosa Parks did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people didn't want it to acknowledge that it happened that long ago and nothing was done about it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's them giving you the people that they want you to know about regarding black history instead of you knowing about everybody Mm -hmm. because it shapes the narrative Mm -hmm. and the narrative is how they want it to be versus how it really should be. Mm -hmm. So that that's, that's basically what critical race theory is. Mm -hmm. And then in conjunction with what you hear project 1619, Mm -hmm. which is the year that they're saying that the uh, blacks came to the United States. So what are y'all thoughts? You want me to keep going first? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> this is your bad. You know, the, the, the parent that talks about it. Now, you know, obviously I understand that you want accountability for your, you want your, you want to teach your kids to be accountable for their own actions. And you want them to believe that they control their own destiny. But I can tell you in most cases, of course, we don't know in all cases, but in most cases, you can do everything you're supposed to do the right way. Be accountable for your actions. Work hard. Study. Learn. You can do all those things. But at the end of the day, there's an op- there could be an opportunity that you don't get simply because you're black. Yes, and people that reject that thought, I would say, why, did we, why do we have affirmative action? Mm-hmm. Right? So if it's a plan, equal playing field and you will be judged, not should be, but will be judged equally, there would be no such thing as affirmative action. Affirmative action was to force, and I'm going to use that word again, Mm -hmm. force people to review on an equal playing field because otherwise you would not. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that I am a proponent of affirmative action because I do see areas where that does hurt because obviously you give people jobs based on race and hopefully that person is qualified, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you one area that it it did hurt. We have one black black, uh, judge on the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. right? And if it wasn't for affirmative action, he probably wouldn't be there. However, why won't we have any more? Mm-hmm. Right? right? So in essence, affirmative action said, hey, we gave you one, dog. That's yeah. all you're going to get. So in essence, I think that it hurts in cases like that, but you have to have that one because without that one, not you not have nothing. Right. So you have to have it. So I think for this, this father, I understand what you want to teach your kids. Um, I obviously wanted to teach you guys the same thing. Be accountable for your own actions. Do all that you possibly can. And if you do that, hopefully you're going to create that even playing field that they're going to judge you on your merit, not the color of your skin. Right. Right. 
We know that's not that's not the case. Mm -hmm. We know that's not the case. We talked about the racial profiling that the cops have. We mm -hmm. talked about the fact that you can have your seatbelt on. You can have all the documentation updated on your car. You could be doing the speed limit and you still get pulled over. So this is you taking responsibility, accountability, making sure that you're doing the right thing and you still get pulled over. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this father, I understand trying to teach your kids these principles. I get it. And you can do that. Do it privately. Because when you go public, it only takes one person to that's, say and, it doesn't exist. And, that, and that's, that's the propaganda that this, that this talks about. You because know? guess who does not understand racism? White people. Yeah. So because they don't understand it, it only takes one black person to say it doesn't exist. And, and they go, see, that's what I was thinking anyway. And that's, what, and that's what they do with happen. Candace Owens. You know, years ago, you didn't hear about Candace Owens. That's right. But the minute she started, minute Trump started running and she started agreeing with Trump, she became the forerunner of the Republican Party right at the middle because right. it was like, okay, this black person believes in us. So what she says is right. Everybody has to follow that. Absolutely. It's, it's propaganda. Uh, for, but for the people who say that oppression doesn't exist, let, 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 let's let's go back over this for a second. For the people who don't listen to this episode, <laughs> don't listen to other episodes. Uh, you go back into any black community and and see if black people control anything within that community. Go anywhere. Go, go within any black community. See if they control the educational system. See if they control the jobs. See if they control um, the economic structure of it. Just go see. If the answer is no, let, let, let's let's talk about it. Black workers have historically earned far less than white workers. Lower income means that the poverty rate for black families is over twice as it is as white families. Um, when we try to get financing from banks, black mortgage applicants will more likely be denied loans than aspiring homeowners of other races. Black Americans were nearly twice as likely as white neighbors to lack health insurance. Black prisoners are overrepresented in the U.S. prison population compared to the share of total U.S. population. Now, we're not, we know that blacks aren't the only ones committing crimes, but you can look at the punishment given for the same crime and see the difference in level of consequences when you look at the, uh, the judicial system. Black men are roughly five times more likely to be imprisoned than their white counterparts, are now nearly 13 as likely in the age of age of 18 and 19. Which is critical because if you put uh, a kid from the age of 18 and 19 with a felony on their record early on, it automatically excludes them throughout the rest of life. We see that marijuana usage rates are similar between white and black Americans, yet black Americans are 3.64 times more likely to get arrested on mar marijuana possession charges before a lot of it were decriminalized. That's right. Black, uh, black people are overwhelmingly more likely than white people to be under parole supervision, and they're most likely to be sent back to prison for minor infractions. Roughly half of those fatally shot by police are white, but black Americans are fatally shot at a disproportionate rate compared to their representation in the U.S. population. Right. So a lot of people keep talking about, you know, talking about racism within the school system, the critical race theory or whatever. What people don't understand is if you don't, if you don't teach racism, if you don't teach what happened in this country, then you're not teaching accurate history of American history. That's right. Because you can't talk about the Civil War and not talk about African Americans. That's right. You can't talk about the Revolutionary War and not talk about African Americans. You can't talk about the success of 
of of American trade without talking about slavery, which includes African Americans. Right. You can't talk about the you can't talk about America at all without talking about Native Americans, because you can't talk about the great building of the westward expansion, the Reconstruction period, without talking about African Americans and what they overcame. You talk, we talk about how rebels overcame the Redcoats. That's right. You know, we talk about how the Union overcame the Confederates. So why can't you talk about what African Americans overcame? Listen, you can talk about Frederick Douglass as you want. I know uh, the conservatives love Frederick Douglass. That's right. But you can't talk about Frederick Douglass without talking about slavery. That's right. You can't talk about Robert Small without talking about Jim Crow in the South. You can't talk about these people and not talk about the how because that correlates how great they was. You want to talk about what George Washington overcame. You want to talk about what Thomas Jefferson overcame. Why don't you want to talk about what Frederick Douglass, Robert Small, Harriet Tubman, all of these people overcame because you don't want to talk about it because of the, the basis of what they were in. You can't teach American history without talking about this stuff. Right. You could call it a theory or whatever you want to call it, a project. It's history. There's a There was a movie that came out called The, uh, the American Son with uh, Kerry Washington. And they have a son that is mixed. I think it's originally a stage play. But this child is mixed, the, the mom is black, the dad is white. And they argued throughout this whole film about what they wanted for their son. You know, the dad didn't really want the son to show the black side of dressing and acting and his character because he didn't want to put him in that position. The mother really didn't want the child to, you know, put on all of it to the white side because he didn't want to, to think that he was privileged um, in America. And they did all of this for their child. And in the end, he was killed. Because he was he was treated like a suspect for something that he didn't do, and, and he was killed at the end of the day. So for a lot of these parents, trust me, I understand, especially when it comes to uh, those conservative uh, Republicans, that you want to put your kid in the private school, and you want to put your kid in the best position. You want to take your kid away uh, certain neighborhoods because you you don't want them to fall underneath that that stereotype. I get it, as well as you should, because you want the best opportunity for your mm -hmm. child. But what's going to happen when that child get out of that comfort zone that you built for? In the real world. In the real world. Because, and I'm only talking from experience because I knew a few that went to high school. They acted white. They hung around white people. They, they, they talked white. They didn't want to be considered black. And when you know what happened when they went to college? Found out. They got a reality check. I found out. Now they're pro-black. That's right. Found <laughs> so out. So the parent did all that time try to shelter them away from the world. Until they stepped into the world, until you get on that college campus, until you go go into that job interview, until you enter that corporate job and you realize they getting paid more than you. Then you realize stuff ain't fair. So you can try to protect them all you want to, but in the end of the day, it's going to come to your demise because you didn't teach them what happened because you want to ignore the fact that it exists. That's right. right. You, you can even look at language, curse words, right? Kids. See a little baby say a, say a bad word and you tell them, don't say it, right? Don't say that. That's a bad word. Don't say that. Let's say <laughs> you never said a bad word at all in your house, right? You never said a curse word the entire time your child was growing up. You homeschooled them. They never heard anybody else say a bad word. How are they going to know that's a, a bad word? Right. So they hear somebody else say it and then they come home and say it. Oh my God. Why are you talking like that? Well, 
I didn't know it was a bad word, mom. You know? Mm -hmm. So at some point, you have to expose your child to something for them to know it exists. Mm -hmm. With racism and discrimination, you better. Yeah. Because the impact of that is a lot more powerful than a curse word. Right. Racism could shape your life. And we talked about it. Racism and politics have shaped this country. Mm -hmm. And it's continuing to shape this country and the mindset of the people in it. Mm-hmm. More so us than white America. Mm-hmm. And I know that's shocking, but white America already have the narrative, right? right? They're just looking for confirmation, right? Are you going to confirm what I already know or been taught, or are you going to give me something different? Mm-hmm. And when you give something different, then white America questions it, mm-hmm. right? They get a confirmation. It's a done deal. That's why you have so many white people saying, I didn't believe racism existed to this level. One, how could you? You're not race. You're not black, right. so you're not being discriminated against. But how could you not if you watch the news? Right. If you look at the statistics, you look at the numbers, you look around, you watch a police officer every time he has a car pull over. Tell me what color the person is. Mm-hmm. When you look on the news and they have people arrested, what color are they most of the time? Mm-hmm. They don't usually show you a white suspect right. being arrested unless it's a crime against other white people, yeah. right? How many times have you seen a white guy get arrested on the news for killing somebody black? Mm-hmm. Very rarely. But let a black black person kill somebody white, it's all over the news, mm-hmm. right? So propaganda happens at every level. And it starts when you're trying to shield your kid from reality, like this black parent in Colorado. Mm-hmm. You can shield them all they want to. You Which, can teach them everything you want to teach them about being, being accountable for your own actions in your own direction in your own education. And we can talk about teaching our kids black history at home. We can do that all we want to. But that's not the only people we're talking to. We also want to talk to white America. They need to know these things exist so they can go back to their families and friends and communities and employers and coworkers and talk about the things that are still happening and try to make things right. Absolutely. So as a as a teacher, if let's say if they was to allow um, to teach critical race theory in school as a teacher black or white you try your best to to not be biased mm-hmm. so what happens when you teach it and a child goes home and tell their parent what they learned and then the parent is upset because they feel like you didn't you didn't lean more to if your child black you didn't lean more to the black side or if the child is white you didn't lean more to the white side welcome to our world that's right when you go when you when you go into the school system and you people may not know that they did it, but you come home and, and you're taught about Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Jr. You're taught about the great speeches. Now, and here's the thing, especially with black parents, a lot of black parents didn't even know anything else. Right. They were taught the same thing. That's right. But when you get people like dad who knew more information, he probably never said anything because we was going to go back to school and repeat it. Right. Welcome to our world. Did they teach you about this? Because you know, uh, I think it was our fifth grade textbook, it literally talks about Dr. King and Malcolm X, and Malcolm X has two sentences that right. said that he was for violence, pretty much. Imagine coming home and telling dad that. Right. Who who probably who was a big advocate of Malcolm X. Welcome to our world. You know what I'm saying? So it's only it's only a problem when white America feels uncomfortable in the school system. It's already <laughs> one-sided. It's already one-sided right. now. So I could care less if another parent had to go through what I went through as a parent. Exactly. Having having their child learn one side of history and that, and we saying one side, it's not even one side. 
it's not the truth. Right. So I don't care how you term it. It's not the truth. It's not real history. I mean, you said it best. You cannot talk about America and American history without talking about black people you or can. slavery. You can. Here's the thing. You put Martin Luther King in the textbook. You can't talk to him. You can't talk about him without talking about segregation. Right. Right. So at the at the <laughs> essence of it, you still have to talk about black people in the negative light of the same narrative that they've been talking about for the history of this educational system. We have to change that. Yeah, and I, 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 um, I seen a post. My wife sent me a post. Um, I don't know if you remember. We went to, I think it's Williamsburg for a field trip. And they show you the slave quarters, mm -hmm. right? right? They show you where the slaves live at. They got actors out there just happy as go lucky, right? right. right? Nobody explained what the hell was going on. That's right. Yeah. You're just looking around like, oh, this is where the slaves live. They didn't tell you about the, the brutality. They didn't tell you why they were in slavery. They didn't tell you any of this thing. These are the slave quarters. This is the plantation. This is what's going on. Sometimes they even go a step further and tell you that's where the blacks live. They don't even <laughs> use the word slave. Right, right. That's right? where the blacks that's live. That's where the blacks live. Right. Same thing. So why should we care when this is something that we've been dealing with this whole time? So why should I care that somebody else feels uncomfortable where he may need to feel uncomfortable because he's been taught wrong his whole life as well? And the only way to amend that is for all of us to feel uncomfortable. A a absolutely. absolutely. Let's, let's all feel uncomfortable in here. And let's, because you, truth hurts. Truth hurts. And the only way to heal is to tell the truth. A absolutely. People love to, all of them Christians love to talk about the truth and set you free, but they don't want to tell it. <laughs> absolutely. And the Republicans and Democrats are some of the biggest Christians in the world, but they don't want to talk about the truth. Absolutely. And I think that's important too, is that, understand that when we're talking about white American, we're talking about politics and we're talking about laws and the way that blacks are being treated unfairly. We're not just talking about the Republicans. Let, let, let's, let's go let, to let, that. Let's, let's, be, let's be clear. Let's go. Let's, <clears throat> let's go. Let's go with that. Uh, right. Sometimes our people, we vote for the person <laughs> and not the policy. Absolutely. Or the, or the party and or, not the policy. That's right. You know, if Obama would have ran for Republican, what you think black people was going to vote? They were going to vote for him. They were going to vote for him. They vote for him. Vote for him. Vote for him we, we didn't care. You know what I'm saying? If you go around asking most black people that vote Democrat, what is the Democratic standard on why you vote Democrat? Most people don't. Most know. people are going to know. They just going to. They just know that that's what their family voted, and that's what the masses of black people that are on television that's tell right. them to vote, right? But if they was to do a uh, a blind um, survey on what it is that they individually support and don't support. Most black people are actually considered conservative, not liberal. That's right. Because who else other than black people don't want to be controlled by nobody? Uh, we don't want people to tell us what to do. <laughs> so right. we want those freedoms that the Republican Party offer because we definitely don't want to be controlled by nobody again, nobody right. uh, system anyway. The only so, thing I would add is a lot of times um, TV controls what we uh, choose to vote for. Absolutely. Like, because... You know, you look at Democrats when it's time for the presidential debate, it looks like black versus white. That's what it looks like. Um, you know, black people, we, we claim a party um, and we like to vote. We like to call it the lesser of the two evils. That's right. Well, we don't really rock with both of them, but we're going to vote for the lesser of the two evils. Right. You know what I'm saying? And this past election, we considered Joe Biden, Joe Biden to be the lesser of the two evils. Um, yeah, when you when you talk about, because initially we talk about Sambo, Uncle Tom, 
But there's there's a third thing that we got to throw out there because it definitely applies. Is it's just typically the black pawn, right? The black pawn. So yeah. we we think about. <laughs> I I want to go too in depth, but I got to go here real quick. So we talk about the black pawn. All that that says is it's establishments using uh, blacks to gain control or implement an agenda, mm-hmm. right? So it only takes one to have one come out and say something good about the party or the agenda or whatever to kind of show, hey, see, we're not racist. You know, mm-hmm. Herschel Walker, for guys who like sports, Herschel Walker, one of the greatest running backs in the history of Georgia, went on to play in what the, the beginning was the USFL and then ultimately was a part of that big deal with Dallas that brought in people like um, uh, Emmett Smith, mm-hmm. where they ended up winning several several Super Bowls. So Herschel Walker is a big proponent of, of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And just by him being that shows that not all black people are against Republicans. So the problem with that, and we can go all the way back to the apartheid in South Africa. A part of that is it, it takes away black empowerment when you do that, mm-hmm. because you don't have Republican black uh, caucuses trying to empower other black people, mm-hmm. right? They're more about saying, hey, we are being accepted. We are being treated equally. And you, and you know what? That's my only, that's one of my problems when it comes to Candace Owens, Tim Scott, all of those people, because when they make references, they don't re- reference themselves as African-Americans. That's right. So my question is, what are you doing other than criticizing African-Americans to help African-Americans? Uh, absolutely. Because I can look at Demo- Democratic people or people who vote Democrat who are out in the community that's helping right. people. Candace Owens can bash LeBron James all that she wants to, but I know LeBron James give away $4 million to help black people go to college. That's right. Well, that's, that's Candace right. Owens done. You when, when, when you get, when you get your money for your book, is it going, is it no. helping the African-Americans at all? No. Uh, that's my own, that's, that's one right. of my problems when it comes to that, that side. Are you helping the African-American community? Or are only, you only point now what is wrong and, and then excluding yourself from what is wrong? As a black Absolutely. Person. And you always want to, you wonder, do these people jump into that role or they pulled into that role? Right. So you look at Candace Owens. That, that's the conversation by the Trump. Have, right. You look at uh, uh, Herschel Walker. He was pulled in by the Republican Party. So it's not like he jumped out there on his own and did this. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't have people with this propaganda doing it on their own accord. Right. And they're not empowering other black people. So you're not having Herschel Walker say, and you can do it too. Right. You don't hear, I've listened to, I've listened to Candace Owens even before we even knew Donald Trump was running for presidency. I've never heard her say, you can do this too. Right. Okay. Unlike on the democratic side, they're usually trying to empower other black people mm-hmm. to do exactly the same thing. Right. And then when you look at the Republican party for the black Americans, this is going to be real one second, because there were some rappers that came out during the election that said that they were going to vote for Donald Trump. 50 and, a, cent and a lot of people went crazy. Oh, what are you going to vote? You vote for him. You, you best this and he's that. Here's the thing. If you make more than $150,000 a year, you're probably going to want to vote Republican mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Why? They're not going to tax you as much as if the Democrats were in office. So it's about money. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the people, the celebrities, and I'm saying celebrities, celebrities right. you look at the celebrities that vote Republican or talked about Republican, it's for a reason. These they the want to protect their investments, well. right? I want to protect my money. I want to protect all these things I got going on that puts money in my pocket. I can't do that with a Republican in president, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is, and it, it applies on the Democratic side too, 
The problem is there's so many other things attached to that vote that does not benefit black people right. or the wealthy. Voter suppression is Voter one. Voter suppression is right. one. So what they're saying, Republicans are saying is, we want to get you on our side because it's all about control. Uh, when you're using these pawns, it's all about control and being able to implement an agenda or policy. Mm -hmm. So I need the votes. I need the money. Uh, the person with the most money wins. The person with the most votes wins. And you get the most votes by having the most money. Um, so you want to you want to bring these people into the fold. One, they're going to invest. They're going to they're going to donate money to your campaign, and then they're going to propagate for you. Yeah. They're going to go out and talk about how great the Republican Party is, and now you should vote Republican. Right? That's how you win. Right. Now, no no offense to those folks that believe that, because they're putting more emphasis on that one thing that benefits them. Is that any different than what anybody else does? Right. We look at the issues, or should be looking at the issues and the policies that affect us on a daily basis or people that look like me or my family, most of the time it's going to be you first. Mm -hmm. How does this affect me, the individual, the person? And in most cases, if you're being oppressed and you admit that you're being oppressed and you're being discriminated against, then you're going to vote for the candidate that has policies to try to offset that. Right. These people say they don't experience. One, you have more money. You're not living in the hood. Right. You're living in a gated community. So you don't have auto theft at the level. You don't, <laughs> You're not going to find people. many poor black a Americans voting Republican. Absolutely. You will not find many poor African Americans voting Republican. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying you're just not going to find it happening that often. Right. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back because we got more to cover. And we are back. Uh, again, we're going to jump right back in. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about what I was just talking about off air and, and bring it to the forefront that, you know, um, there's a documentary. I, I advise anybody to go watch this documentary. It's called Uncle Tom. And it talks about um, it's a documentary about these people. Uh, Jesse Lee Peterson, uh, Candace Owens, Tim Scott. Um, a lot of these people who are considered uh, right conservatives talking about why they wrote Republican and how they're seen as Uncle Tom's and how the left got it got it messed up that. We all should be voting Republican. Um, but one of the things is that my problem with this is that they talk why we should vote Republican based on the programs that the Democrats have, uh, the, the keeping us on welfare, keeping us in affordable housing, keeping us relying on government assistance that stopped us from that stops us from building that economic wealth ourselves which i don't totally disagree with absolutely but the problem is when they get into office what changes you know wh what happens with the african-american community and i'm not just talking about the republicans i'm talking about the democrats as well because we're, we're we're made masses of melt of promises but the black community have seen little results and uh, let's just go through history real quick Let, let's just talk about this for a second you know, right after slavery, uh, African-Americans are voting Republican for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, the Republican were really trying to protect the black vote. Um, uh, but what ended up shifting was, number one was the New Deal um, with, uh, with Roosevelt, with that, that got a lot of black people to vote uh, Democratic. And then JFK got a lot of people to vote Democratic. But let's also look at that JFK didn't go into uh, the Democratic um, running with the same thoughts that he had once he became president. He, he didn't follow the civil rights movement or, or supported the civil rights movement to after he got in office, um, after his brother did a lot of work with the civil rights movement. And that's when you get the shift from the, in the 1960s where people 
just complete black people just completely vote democratic ever since the 1960s um after the passing of the the civil rights act which most people credit to uh lyndon b johnson um a democrat but let's be honest that Dem lyndon b johnson never wanted to sign that act it was already going to be passed and he had really had no more really had no choice but That's to right. sign it um but let's just look at a few presidents uh some of the things that they've said or done um president dwight d eisenhower told supreme court chief justice earl warren that white southerners are not bad people all they are concerned about is to see their sweet little girls are not required to sit in schools alongside big overgrown negroes this is dwight d eisenhower uh president ronald reagan and the uh, CIA, the Cocaine Import Association, brought in cocaine and dropped smack right in the middle of the projects. Uh, Reagan has been widely been attributed with racializing debate over welfare on the U.S. Um, he also continues both the impact of perception of policy regarding welfare, which has been a detrimental impact on communities of color, um, which Reagan was a Republican. He also said uh, one time when I had to see all of those monkeys from African countries Damn, they're still uncomfortable wearing shoes. Um, President Lyndon B. Johnson, again, who signed the, the civil rights uh, bill after, J K after JFK passed, was a Democrat, but he opposed civil rights legislation. He would routinely use the N-word and call civil rights legislation nigger bills. Um, Richard Nixon, a Republican, recorded conversations of Nixon at the time of his overall of revealing extreme bigoted views of black people. Among other groups in the conversation, Nixon said, we're going to put more of these little Negro bastards on the welfare rolls. Um, we're going to work them off the rolls, and that's the key. Nixon also added he had a great affection for blacks, but I know they're not going to make it for 500 years. They aren't. You know it, too. Um, he also hated the Mexicans. Uh, he also said that blacks live like a bunch of dogs. George Bush. Now, George Bush, he signed the No Child Left Behind Act, which was one of the things that the Republicans thought was going to um, shorten the gap of education between black That's and right. white. That's but right. it backfired because right. of standardized tests, which has actually made things worse because we know the, the cultural background of the, the standardized test, how it affects black people because of a culture and the way things are worded. Um, hurt because everything was based on testing, That's right. which African-Americans didn't do well on those standardized tests. Um, Obama, you know, uh, you know, passing the Hate Crimes Prevention Act allows federal authorities, including the Federal Bureau of Investigation, to investigate and prosecute hate crimes. Nothing wrong with that. But how many hate crimes have y'all seen prosecuted? Not many. <laughs> it looks good, <laughs> but how does it really benefit us when it, when Nobody's being prosecuted of it. Even this last uh, uh, Derek Chauvin. Is it a hate crime? We think so. That's right. Are they charging him with it? Nope. Joe Biden. First day of office. What does he do? A bill to protect the transgender. Also a bill to protect Asian hate. But, it, but he also said black people, if they don't vote for me, they're not black. What did you do for black people from day one? Nothing. You protected the transgenders. You protected the Asians. What about black people? They voted for you. Oh, you gave us Juneteenth? We're celebrating that anyway. Y'all gonna put Harriet Tubman on the bill? What does that do wow. for us? What, what, is, that what do? does that do for us? That's right. It looks good. The symbolism of it looks good. So what we're seeing from both parties is they're giving us symbolic things to say we're making progress, but it's not creating any results. 
Ja to. Let me go. Yeah. Also, neither side has signed an anti-lynching bill to make uh, lynching a uh, a hate crime, a federal hate crime. That's right. Neither side. I, I want to. We talk about the the mindset, the 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 mindset of Black Americans. That's we can go all the way back to slavery. That helped develop the way we think, the way we feel, the way we interpret and process information. Um, program brainwash are some of the things that come to mind. Even even uh, Malcolm X used to talk about that all the time. How the white man has brainwashed the black man. To, to believe certain things. I'm, I'm going to put something in, in good perspective for you real quick. Uh, the game of chess. So we talk about the black pawn. We talk about the game of chess. Directly associated with the word pawn. Uh, in chess, the white piece moves first. <laughs> right? And oh, you deep on that one. In theory, <laughs> chess is more of a conversation yeah. type game yeah a, 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 a battle of the mind it is of of a thought process my favorite game and maneuvering to be able to be victorious again we talk about the black pawn is when establishments use blacks for control or to push a policy or agenda That's right so in the game of chess you're talking about pushing an agenda mm -hmm. mind versus mind but guess what the white piece moves, moves first. first the white engages the conversation and a lot right? of times the white piece the white pieces have the advantage it has the, the advantage it's privileged right it's embedded into the minds of the white piece yeah that we are privileged we move first we initiate the conversation guess what happens when the black initiates the conversation it's wrong. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Black yeah. Lives Matter want to speak out against racism. <laughs> wait, you have to wait for us to speak out about it first. We're yeah. not doing it. So the game of chess on the board is the same thing we experience on the ground in America on a daily basis. The game of chess, ladies and gentlemen. The I game like of chess. It. Yes. I, I I like that. I I like that. Um so when we begin to look at both sides, they they do this thing, right? Joe Biden sits down with Cardi B. Why? <laughs> do what? Why? Do what? Propaganda. That's all it is. What? What did she didn't really know what the heck she was talking about in the interview? Which I applaud Candace Owens for going off on that. Because now I will say this: during the campaign, Ice Cube sat down with Donald Trump. He sat down with both of them, and they called him. He actually sat down with both, and they called him a sellout, which I didn't believe because if you read the the Platinum Plan was something that Donald Trump wanted to try to incorporate right. within his plan. That's right. Um, because because Ice Cube and, and you guys can Google this, pull up his YouTube video, whatever. You can you can you can you can listen to his words exactly. And his words were that he sat down with them because he was trying to find out what's in your plan for black people. Right. Right. He, both sides. That's right. Give us something. Donald Trump had a plan. Right. Right. I'm not going to say it was the greatest of plans, but he had mm -hmm. a plan. It was something specific in his plan that would benefit black people. Now he didn't do any of them. But he had something in his in his campaign in his original run that was to benefit. Black yeah, so people. Trump's was the platinum plan. Biden is the lift every voice. That, plan. That's right. And Both essentially dealing with that's right. black businesses. Absolutely, and and Biden's plan really wasn't firm. He mm -hmm. didn't have a. You you can have an objective, but you have to have goals. You have to have a plan to be able to reach those objectives. He had no plan. Mm -hmm. So when if you listen to Ice Cube, he said, "Listen, everybody wants Donald Trump out." Right. Even people in his own party wanted Donald Trump out. He said, you have the election. 
Biden wins, Donald Trump's out of office, then what? What's, what's in it for black people? Well, we're over a, almost a year into uh, Joe Biden's presidency. What's in it for black people? What has black people gained over this last year that you did not get under Donald Trump is what Ice Cube was saying initially. What's going to change? What policies do you have that's going to directly benefit black people? Mm -hmm. And right now, you can't name one. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, we can talk about what Republicans have been doing since the election. Religiously, almost weekly, have been submitting bills for voter suppression. So we know what their plan is. What's our plan to combat it? Mm-hmm. We got these we got these Democrats in Texas came all the way to D.C. to stop it at the federal level, where at the state level, they was trying to pass all these bills while they were gone. And now on their back, they're having to do all this stuff to try to prevent these things from happening. So, again, the political realm is where the change really occurs. But as black people, we have to do two things. We have to be educated on the policies. But we also have to put ourselves in position to be a part of the process. Mm-hmm. You talked about this on a couple of podcasts ago. Is that how many people you know are thinking about being in the politics that are black? Mm-hmm. Not many. Not many. We cannot continue to complain about the problem if we're not putting people in places that we can be a part of the solution. Yeah, we can bring it to the forefront all day long. Mm-hmm. And white American can listen. But when you go to vote and there's nobody to look like you, do you really think that every white person on that ballot is going to push an agenda that solely benefits black people? Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You keep trying. We've been doing it all this time and it has not worked. Even with JFK. Did we put all our all our marbles in one bag with JFK? Absolutely no. not. No. Why are we doing it today? Why are we continuing to wait for white America to assist us? Mm-hmm. We need to start doing something for ourselves. We need more black politicians. We need more people learning about the policies, educating themselves on the politics so that they can vote properly. The governor of Texas says that not everybody should have the right to vote. And what he means by that is, one, if you're not educated on the on policies, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have the right to vote. You shouldn't vote just because your sister told you you should vote for Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have the right to vote. Now, the, the the Constitution doesn't say that you need to know the politics in order to vote. It yeah. just says you have a right to vote. So here's a guy that's going directly against the lines of the Constitution, trying to pass a law that says that you can't vote. Mm-hmm. We got to stop that. All right. And my perspective is, and the reason why I wanted to do this episode is to talk about the, the black pawn and the sambos to say, you know, who are who are we to say who's right or who's wrong? You know, you know, a lot of these black conservatives, they feel that the Republican Party may be the way to go. You know, a lot of these uh, black liberals feel like the Democratic Party may still may be the way to go. But y'all know, I love Brother Malcolm. <coughs> uh, Brother Malcolm, one of his best speeches came from um, the ballot or the bullet. Um, no, this, this is one of the things that he says in the ballot or the bullet. Now, in speaking like this, it doesn't mean that we're anti-white. But it does mean that we're anti-exploitation. We're anti-degradation. We're anti-oppression. And if the white man doesn't want us to be anti-him, let him stop oppressing and exploiting and degrading us. Whether we are Christians, Muslims, nationalists, or agnostics or atheists, we must first learn to forget our differences. 
if we have differences, let us defer in the closet. And when we come out in front, let us not have anything to argue about until we get finished arguing with the man. If the late President Kennedy could get together with um, Chris Rolf or whatever his name is and exchange some wheat, we certainly have more in common with each other than Kennedy and him with each other. If we don't soon, if we don't do something real soon, I think you'll be able to agree that we're going to be forced either to use the ballot or the bullet. It's one or the other in 1964. It's that time is running out. Time has run out. 1964 threatened to be the most explosive year America has ever witnessed. The most explosive year. Why? It's also a political year. It's the year where all the white politicians would be back in the so-called Negro community, jiving you and me for some votes. The year when all of the white political crooks will be right back in <coughs> in your and my community with these false promises, building up your hopes for a letdown with their trickery, their treachery, with their false promises, which they don't intend to keep. Now, what Malcolm always says to not trust the liberal or the conservative, he calls them the wolf and the fox. That's right. So I believe that, in my own opinion, I've been into politics long but studying black history studying building up my community um i've taken to um a lot of politics and honestly i believe that they both been duped the black liberal and the black conservative have both been duped and have been used by both parties for propaganda democrats know that blacks are going to vote for them and they continue to make promises that they have yet to keep black republicans or Republican Party has no idea how to talk to black people on, on, on the level that the Democrats do. Um, I believe that the educated K through 12 or K through master's degree person has been duped. I believe that the high school dropout has been duped. I believe that our history in America has been to keep us separated. Again, we could go back to W.E. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington. Um, there's a uh, uh, a scene in um, Judas and the Black Messiah where um, the plant, the guy playing the part of Fred Hampton, you know, he says, um, they ask him, he said, you know, he says the same thing they did to Martin and Malcolm. And he said, what happened to them? And he said, same thing will happen to all of us. At least they die for the people. And he understood that in order for us to create change, it had to be in unison. That's right. One of the one of the things that J. Edgar Hoover hated the most was the day he seen Martin Luther King and Malcolm X shaking hands. The day he seen Fred Hampton start the Rainbow Coalition. When he seen people become organized on both sides of the spectrum is when they seen black people as a threat. And as much as I respect Candace Owens, um, on a political level, I think she needs to have more open conversations with liberals and liberals need to have more conversations with conservatives apart from how they feel about their political That's parties. Right. That's right. If you can get sit down at the table and think of a, a way, sit down with Ice Cube about the platinum plan. That's right. You, you don't need the president to do that. Sit down amongst black people, come up with a solution for ourselves to say, this is the best way to build up the black community and let's take it to both parties and let's see who's going to do something That's about right. it.
if we able to do that, we able to create change. But as long as we remain loyal to this party or that party that we only going to vote because we're loyal to red or blue, we're buying right into the problem. You know, the, the, the irony of this is we, we started this segment and talking about Sambo and, and, and Uncle Tom, those terms. And at the end, we're talking about Ice Cube who sat down with Donald Trump and Joe Biden to find out what they had in plan for black people. And Ice Cube was ripped apart mm-hmm. on social media in terms of calling him a sellout. But trying right? to get something done. Exactly. And the, the same for Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Harvey met with Donald Trump. And he almost lost his show behind the fact that uh, people deemed him a sellout, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and in essence, I don't view them as a sellout. I view them as somebody who is really trying to understand and help devise a plan that would include black people. Right. Um, but the thing is, is guess who the people were that were calling them sellouts? Us. us because us. we're so loyal to that that party because that's all we vote is democrat that's right black people alone would tell you that republicans we don't vote that we don't we don't rock with them like that the black that's people right. are sellouts then the same people that's telling you that have no that's idea right. what the republic or the democratic party stands for. you can go back to episode four or five where we were talking about this and 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 here's the thing democrats are going to be true to their party right republicans are the ones that are true to winning so they're gonna vote for whoever they think gonna win, right? So they're gonna they're gonna toe that line and they're gonna vote. Prime example, the way Barack Obama won was he had some of those people that were typically vote Republican that switch sides. You're never gonna see a Democrat, a staff's Democrat who really does not understand all the policies, vote Republican. It's not gonna happen, you know. So having them sit down with the Republicans and try to find out what they had in store for Black people things that would include black people. And we keep saying help, and that, that's the wrong word. It's really have us included in the policies. Mm-hmm. Where, because so many policies that they're coming up with, we're not even included. Um, which means if you're not included, you're excluded, right. right? So I applaud them for sitting down and meeting with them. Even though it didn't help, and you didn't come away with any information to definitively say why you voted one way or the other or did not vote one way or the other, the fact that they attempted it. Mm-hmm. We need to start doing that on a small scale, locally, mm-hmm. meeting with the folks. Like you said, you got to have liberals meeting with conservatives and talking about outside of the political rim, mm-hmm. talking about what's real, mm-hmm. what's really going on in your community and why you think it's happening. Um, and until we start doing that, change is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But we still have to educate ourselves on the policies and the processes mm-hmm. so we know how to vote. And then we have to continue to fight against voter suppression. And the only way to do that is vote. Mm-hmm. And But you also have to think about having people that look like you, people who suffer the same way you suffer, being those positions to vote for. That's absolutely. Um, I'll end anything else I got to say with this, and then I'll let you guys uh, close. Um, y'all know I wrestled with doing this podcast, um, just starting the unapologetic perspective. Um, even with the information that I had, the knowledge that I had, um, I struggled um, with doing this this particular platform, especially tied to the Mighty Motivation uh, platform, because you know I was getting so much love from my community 
for, you know, my motivational speaking and um, the things that I was doing and the mentoring and helping with the community. And I knew when I dropped episode one of this podcast, things was going to change. I knew there was going to be people who no longer will look at me the same. Not just white people, black people as well. Uh, because a lot of black people don't like to hear this kind of talk because it makes them feel uncomfortable when they're around certain people. That's right. But I had a decision to make to ask myself, you know, do I want to get pats on my back from people for doing something that I wanted to do, I love to do, but I held back the truth sometimes? Or did I want to be real and honest with myself at the at, at a, each and every last night to say how I really felt and how I really wanted to express myself as a black man in this country. And I feel like a lot of people don't have that courage. And there's a lot of people like Candace Owens or uh, Tim Scott who want to say what they really feel because we know how they really feel inside because we know, especially from the places that they come from, that they've faced a lot. That's right. But they don't want to lose that platform. They don't want to lose those followers. They don't want to lose that that privilege that they that they can have. And not everybody's ready for that. I'm not mad at them. Just some people don't understand that when you begin to speak the truth, <coughs> when you get to speak your truth, especially, and you talk about racism and oppression and politics <coughs> and religion, everybody ain't gonna like it. That's why this podcast is called My Unapologetic Perspective. I ain't here to be right. You can get in the comments and say I'm wrong all you want. It ain't going to bother me one bit because it's my truth. It's what I feel. If you can change my mind, change my mind. I got a good friend who is a Republican, and we have these conversations. I respect the hell out of him. He respects the hell out of me. And there's a lot of things that he don't agree with. There's a lot of things I don't agree with. There's a lot of things he brings to my perspective that I didn't know and vice versa. But until you have these open conversations, change will never happen. That's why I'm here. And I was, I was willing to lose friends. I ain't going to say friends. I was willing to lose associates for it because if we was really friends, we would have never, never left in the, in the first place. That's right. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. That's real. You got closing remarks? Nah. I just want to add one, one thing that's in, in, in essence to what you were saying as well is that we, 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 we ultimately we want change and it starts with the conversation and everybody has a perspective and opinion. Most people just don't want to say it because they don't want to be wrong um, or they, they, they think that they're right and they, they don't have to have that conversation. Who knows? Um, but ultimately, the goal is about change and it starts with the conversation. Yeah. But more so, what I want people to understand is when we talk about black history and we talk about oppression and we talk about the things that we've been dealing with from day one in this country. Uh, it, it gives us, you think about tradition and culture, it gives us some sense of, of worth and where we came from mm -hmm. and what our value is. I still think that on the political level, most black people don't understand their value. I've even heard people say, why vote? Because your vote don't matter. Oh, and, trust me, black the black vote is one hundred percent the absolutely, the most and, and and I'll tell somebody, I'll tell you this too. You have to understand the voting process, and we can go all day long, and we can talk about 
the 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 electoral college, right? That's a whole different segment of this podcast. Yeah. But your vote does count. Understand that your vote does count. The electoral college is a is something that's standardized to try to offset one state controlling an election. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Your vote vote still does count. Understand that. Um, electoral colleges do decide the presidency, but your vote counts toward that electoral college. Yeah. So I ask you to try to understand the system a little bit and just don't go by what people are telling you. Just because your next door neighbor told you that your vote's not going to count because the electoral college decides the presidency, don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Your vote does count. Hope is what initiates the conversation for change. You have to have hope and you have hope by understanding your value. And we hope that that's what we're giving you. When we're giving you this information, we're, hope that, we're, we're hoping that it's giving you that value that you need to understand that there is hope for a better tomorrow. It exists. And we have the power to make it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Again, you ain't got to agree with this episode. Um, it's just all perspective. Uh, I don't think that I think Sambo's on both sides. I think I think a Sambo is anybody that is a detriment to the black community. Um, so if, if we're not building up the black community, we're not building up the African-Americans and we're we're following these political agendas or these propaganda, uh, we're hurting the black community and you're ultimately a, a Sambo. Um, that goes for anybody. You don't have to be a black conservative to be a Sambo. There are some liberal conser- uh, Sambos. There are some Sambos that we look up to, some rappers that talk about killing each other and selling drugs to our people. Those are Sambos too, that they're a detriment to the black community. We have to be honest with ourselves. So when you talk about a sellout, you got to look deeper into that meaning and figure out who's really a sellout and, and who's really a pawn that's pushing the propaganda to hurt the black community. Um, but we love y'all. Peace.